0: Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. Many times we think we can experience victory in events, circumstances, tests, or trials unaccompanied because we've been deceived to believe that's what makes a person who they are. You can try it and may succeed from time to time, but the gravity of the event, circumstance, test, or trial will produce the actual result. Many attempt it, and only when their head drops below the surface do they reach out in desperation. God did not intend for his disciples to struggle single-handedly. And yes, my fellow disciples, the struggle is real. Because not only does God's predetermined plan include the struggle, you're discipling in a dark, fallen, and evil world. The simple truth, on your own, totally against what God designed within the way of life for his disciples. You got your tanks. Let's dive in. This segment is titled Discipleship the Way of Life, Alone or With? No matter where you look, being alone is a very dangerous condition and posture to live in. There are numerous examples of this truth all around you. Some turn a blind eye to it, some are experiencing it right now, and I will testify on their behalf, inside, they're hating it. There are some of you that are witnessing someone being alone today, And the plain old truth, you're just standing by and doing nothing. Yet, many have said at one time or another, that's my friend or my brother and sister in Christ. And the simple truth, there's a plethora of other examples where being alone is disastrous and is happening every second of every day. Believe that. The plain old truth, though, you will approach life and its circumstances, tests, or trials in either an alone capacity or with an appointed disciple, NGA. Any of these events, circumstances, trials, or tests, God has placed in your life by his foreknowledge and predetermined plan established at the foundation of the world. Believe that. And I will bring back again Ecclesiastes 3.1. There's an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every event under heaven. And my fellow disciples, this applies to every soul and spirit that occupies their spot on this planet. Even in the animal world, it's extremely dangerous to venture out alone. When you're proceeding in this life alone, the plain old truth, you'll become prey. Have you ever seen the result of an alone wildebeest and a pride of lions crouching in a tall grass preparing to, the, to attack? What was the result? Or did you turn a channel? Very few mention the fellow members of humanity, be it male or female, that roam the streets. Who do they fall prey to? And even if one is not roaming the streets, they could be roaming in their own mind. And where does that lead one to, when left to fend for themselves? What have you seen as the result? I'm going to send you this one in a bubble. When you drift, float, or wander out alone, expect to be prey. And that would be P-R-E-Y, my fellow disciples. God gives us numerous warnings in his word, but listen to 1 Peter 5, 8. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And do tell, what's the condition of your spirituality after you've been devoured. This warning if by God is true. Are you heeding God's warnings because the plain old truth? The reason God knows the devil's antics is because of what God says in Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And the plain old truth, whatever God has made, he's sovereign over it. And it will do exactly what he plans it to do. And that, my fellow disciples, is everything within his creation. And what do you think the undercurrent is with that statement? And with wisdom provided to you by God, you know the answer. But for those who don't, I'll give you what Job said when God illuminated his heart and mind. It's Job 12, 9 and 10. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this, and whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Think about it like this. It's Luke eight twelve. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so that they will not believe and be saved. The simple truth? No one can be saved unless they believe. Just listening to God's word without the infusion of faith by the work and power of God the Holy Spirit, one is a forgetful hearer. And when someone hears, the devil's mission? Use flaming arrows to sear the mind and cause and maintain unbelief. And it wouldn't matter whether you hear it from the most influential orator, nor if you read God's word from the oldest manuscript. The devil's deceptions, illusions, and schemes are directed towards your mind to blind it with darkness versus seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, as I quote 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. They will be deceived and create discriminations against God's word, creating a senseless, thoughtless, and careless disposition, causing dissatisfaction and discontent for God, his word, and truths. The devil is brutal, merciless, mean, nasty, vindictive, and a murderer. And because his nature is evil, he is in search of someone, and that someone is anyone that ventures out alone within his domain of darkness. Let's address what so many seem to ignore. That would be your sinful flesh, i.e. your sin nature. Do you know your sin nature is your own wickedest, cruelest, and evilest enemy? Your flesh has enough corruption. You don't need anyone or anything else to draw you away from God. Your flesh is quite capable of that feat all by itself. Can anyone testify to this truth, or am I the only one? And God says what your sin nature is capable of. And you can find it in Galatians 5, 19-21. Take some time and read, study, and meditate on that passage. And what God says you are in the flesh. And just so you're aware, every passage referenced in the Godcasts are listed in the episode summary for review and reference and study. Now, regardless the plain old truth, you will either walk in this life, in an alone condition or with fellowship with other disciples, NGA. And what I mean alone, you're only accountable to yourself and self-accountability is eternally dangerous because the danger of self-accountability leads to self-deception. Listen to Galatians 6, 3 and 4. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. It's extremely dangerous spiritually to think you are capable in your own will, strength, and power to accomplish what God can only do. To think you are wise, knowledgeable, and skilled, to prescribe an antidote for your own sin nature. That's the power, influence, and capacity of self-deception and the ease of being deceived. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3.18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in his age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. And Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. The plain old truth you're believing the mental optical illusion when you deceive yourself that you created and the illusion deceives you to believe you can achieve the righteousness of God and God will see your righteousness and it will be acceptable to them as you ignore the practice of lawlessness only to find that on that day when your eternal destination is totally dependent upon the judge of the living and the dead and not your aspirations, desires, or wants. No, my fellow disciples, it's only God's decision as to who will be in his kingdom. In the intro, I mentioned the struggle is real. Well, here's your proof. It's God's warning in Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. You'll come upon struggles on your journey toward the narrow gate, and this struggle will include misfortunes, mishaps, and miseries in your everyday life. God warned his disciples as to what to expect in and from the world. It's John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. You must live with faith and an expectant hope of what God can bring into and through your life as a disciple of Jesus. But the way of life includes struggle and tribulation. That's the plain old truth and expect that tribulation will produce fruit. Yes, my fellow disciples, tribulation produces fruit. Here's your proof. It's Romans 5, 3. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And when perseverance becomes intrinsic in your spiritual essence, my fellow disciples, fruit. Now, Ask any service person who responded to their calling from God and served in the armed forces. All of them know and would agree, never, let me repeat that, never approach the enemy alone. Can I get an amen from you jarheads, airmen, squids, GIs, and puddle pirates? Because it's enough to fight the enemy in the physical, as the evidence of war has taken countless lives over the span of humanity. But what about the spiritual clashes and hostilities? You may be able to defend yourself in a physical hand-to-hand skirmish, but what about against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places? If you do not put on God's armor before you engage, you'll find that you do not possess sufficient strength, might, or power and the consequence is spiritual captivity to the powers, world forces of this darkness, and spiritual forces of wickedness. And the evidence becomes the reality in the words that flood your heart, that soaks your mind and proceeds out of your mouth. The thoughts that fill your heart saturate your mind, and the evidence is evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornication, thefts, fault witness, and slanders as jesus spoke through his disciple matthew in matthew 15:19 therefore your heart mind and spirit are being controlled by the rulers the powers the world forces and spiritual forces and defilement is what's lived out in the physical and is the proof of its spiritual occupation take some time and read study and meditate and write ephesians 6:13 through 17 on the tablet of your heart so that Romans 12:2 will come alive in you. Amen? Now, let's dive into this with portion of our Godcast today. And what God has proposed for the who that's with you and the who you are with in your physical and spiritual life. There are many that perceive and believe that the physical aspect of life is reflective and confirms one's growth and maturity in their spiritual life. And that, my fellow disciples, is the farthest from the truth. Just because you create favorable and intentional interactions with others, you know, the smiling, greeting performances, that doesn't confirm a healthy, thriving spiritual life occupied by God, the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's actually the opposite. It's your spiritual life, growth, and maturity that energizes, strengthens, brings liveliness, constrains, revitalizes, controls, empowers, influences, directs, commands, identifies, and motivates your physical essence. Because the occupation of God the Holy Spirit, you know, His presence, power, teaching, and work, that's the plain old truth. And here's the significant differences. A life that has experienced God's supernatural heart and spirit transplant, when completed, God places his spirit within you. Conversely, the essence of anyone that God has not completed his supernatural heart and spirit transplant can only be occupied by the rulers, the powers, the world forces, the spiritual forces of wickedness, N.G.A., and just like the Spirit of God dwells within his disciples, where do the rulers, the powers, the world forces, and the spiritual forces of wickedness dwell? I'm just asking. And being with, then you, my fellow disciples, are held accountable for your thoughts, words, and deeds, all according to God's foreknowledge and predetermined plan established at the foundation of the world. God blesses his disciples with three significant relationships and are essential for spiritual growth, maturity and disciple work. First and foremost, God themselves. And as their disciples, you live out Matthew 22:37 and 38. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the great and foremost commandment and what are your spiritual and physical expressions of your love for god is it what jesus said what love is to him in john 14 15, if you love me you will keep my commandments and the second commandment is like it and it's what Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So may I ask, do you love? And does your love flow as Jesus said, even as I have loved you, NGA. The other two essentials, my fellow disciples, with these relationships are the others in your life and, for the married, your spouse. Listen to Romans 12, 4 and 5. For just as we have many members in one body and are all members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Now, no matter whether you're a man or a woman, God has provided disciples to walk with you on your journey to the narrow gate. Amen. Listen to Proverbs 27:17. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Do tell, how can effective discipling occur? which is the sharpening process, if it's only carried out by yourself. The simple truth? You can't. And neither can any of those knives or swords sitting next to each other. They may be in the same proximity, but ain't no sharpening going on there. So, if you are living your spirituality in a alone state, you need to strongly reconsider what God is commanding and what you are truly missing out on being alone. God has promised, in true discipleship relationships, there's a koinonia. And they will provide you with understanding with the truth of his word and the work of his spirit. That's the plain old truth. Because the blessing of God, through disciple relationships, assists in your spiritual development, growth, and maturity, and extends well beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary. And at the core of the relationships is God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, remember, made in their image. Therefore, anyone that is made in their image is filled by God's Spirit and will possess their qualities and attributes. These disciple interactions are founded and inspired by the truth of God, and the discussions focus in on wise and beneficial interaction that are advantageous, useful, effective, and valuable to both of your lives as you continually pour your life into theirs and vice versa. And God blesses those relationships and it becomes a way of life as a disciple of Jesus. You find yourself being sharpened and as you sharpen and both experience a deeper level of intimacy within the relationships and the level of authenticity increases and a liveliness to your countenance is a continuous transformation process and is infectious. May I ask? Is your spirituality infectious? The simple truth, the sharpening process is iron, is only sharpened by its like kind. In other words, you cannot sharpen a piece of metal with plastic or wood. And another way to look at it is the truth of God in 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. May I ask you, who are you in company with? Then it has to be true that in disciple shaping sharpening, excuse me, in disciple sharpening process, rough edges are made smooth, dullness is lightened, unfit becomes fit, inactive becomes active, and the spurring on to loving good deeds is fashioned within each disciple. And whatever is carried out as a disciple of Jesus is done in, out, and through the love that only comes from God. May I ask, who are the mature disciples in your life that you felt the impact of their sharpening Of you in, with, and by the truths of God. And believe me, God designed for this way of life as his disciple is much more than one's weekly greeting as they pass each other in the foyer. Believe that. If you do not have or desire to have and need to have a discipling relationship, then you need to ask God to bring a disciple into your life and yours into someone else's. Amen. Believe me, discipleship work is a blessing and will bless your life more than you could ever imagine. And consider this wonderful truth of God to that day. You can experience God's law of the harvest in your life as a disciple today. God said this in Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially those who are of the household of of the faith how are you sowing into the lives of those disciples that God has placed in your life or theirs into yours what are you reaping from your disciple interactions and again nga and what you reap is what you sow Because God's word is true, my fellow disciples, and you know it is. Because in the physical, you see his law of the harvest. You plant a pepper seed, you get peppers. Plant an apple seed, and an apple tree grows over there. And if God's law of the harvest thrives in the physical, then God's law of the harvest applies especially in the spiritual. Have you been neglectful, inconsistent, thoughtless? inattentive, distracted, or just plain old unfaithful in your responsibility to disciple, then I would say repent, seek God's forgiveness, and the forgiveness from those God has entrusted in your care. Amen? Now, how about the spousal relationship? God confirms that man should not be alone. Listen to Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, if you're looking at God's word with an NGA mindset, so God says it's not good for man to be alone, then God must mean it's bad for man to be alone, because with an NGA mindset, you only have good or bad. Am I correct? Or has man deceived you to believe a gray area exists between good and bad? But let me ask you this. What bad thoughts, words, or deeds would you, could you, or do you possess in the flesh? And I would expect every disciple that has been delivered from the domain of darkness, the fleshish power, and sin's control would testify honestly and say just about anything. Now, Not according to your own judgment method. No, my fellow disciples, it would only be by God's standard as what God would govern as bad. Since it's actually God that says it is not good for man to be alone. And then God says this, I will make him a helper suitable for him. So, This is where the real significance of God's work in and through your helper, you know, your better half, significant other, sunshine, cupcake, babe, you know, the apple of your eye, your spouse, Eve. How are you as her Adam? Are you like Adam? Wait a minute. Oh, for you that may have been offended by my reference to you as Adam, Listen to 1 Corinthians 15:45 God testifies to this so as excuse me so also it is written the first man Adam became a living soul the last Adam became a life-giving spirit so let me ask you again how are you as her Adam are you like Adam and may I say This question has only one answer, yes or no. But always remember, it's not yours truly that will be asking you that question. And also, would your Eve answer be the same as yours? Because God promises that he will make for you And that would be create, construct, fashion, or craft a collaborator, co-worker, teammate, and ally just for you, my fellow disciples. And she will be appropriate, fitting, right, personable, distinct, specific, and unique. And again, I will say, just for you. So, may I ask, do you see your spouse as your choice? or what God has made for you, because that will speak volumes as to how you consider, act toward, talk about, talk over, listen, attend to, and disciple as her, Adam. And if you've yet to learn and understand what happens to Eve when the first man stands by and does nothing, the consequence is that you are leaving an integral part of your own flesh to fend for themselves spiritually, and we all know what had happened to the first Eve. As Paul Harvey says, and now you know the rest of the story. How are you as her spiritual leader? Are you a spiritual leader? Because God's truth becomes evident to not only her when you're dull spiritually because you're not being sharpened as Proverbs 27:17 is not being lived out in your walk. But rest assured, she's not the only one. Your children and all others see it too. And then it would only make sense that you would not be living with your wife In an understanding way. Do you remember 1 Peter 3 7? And as husbands, we are to live with our wives. And if you need a reminder, then go listen to Diving Deep with D.L., episode 33, titled Hindered. And if you're not familiar with what God says, He makes it very clear of the consequence for husbands that live with your wife in other than an understanding way. Cogitate on this. That may explain why many aspects of your marriage is not fulfilling. I'm just saying. Now, truthfully, is your marriage fulfilling? Yes or no. Is your marriage wholesome? Yes or no. What would Eve say to that question? Yes or no. And most importantly... What would God say pertaining to your marriage? And with all due respect, God's truths apply to both of you. Adam and you too, Eve, believe that. So may I ask you, Eve, are you collaborating, co-working, teammates, and allies or not? NGA. Or have you reached an aspect in your life which is evident in your marriage where you do not feel you need to be collaborating, co-working, teammates, and allies any longer? And the reason you both are not spiritually filled with love, growth, and maturity and are being lived out, or excuse me, and are living out and your marriage is far from what God ordained it to possess. Let me ask you. Is your marriage one of existence only by word, ring, and certificate? What I mean is, you are in the same proximity with each other, but relationally, you're really alone. You're alone in your thoughts, alone in your habits, alone in your treats, alone in your hobbies, alone in your activities, alone in your spirituality. I pray you're catching my drift. So the simple truth Are you alone in your marriage, yes or no? N-G-A. And is your marriage a replication of how God views marriage, yes or no? Now, you may say, well, and have some justification, defense, or excuse as to, and you fill in the blank. But that's between you, your spouse, and God. Because the question is, what does God say about your marriage? And Just a loving reminder, Adam, you are accountable to God for Eve. I mean, after all, God says this to be an expectation for everyone that walks on this planet. It's 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, having said that, how about this to cogitate on? Your marriage should have a multidimensional spiritual components in it. And what you both experience individually is used in the physical and spiritual aspects of your life which produces fruit. Is there fruit in your marriage or briars? A marriage founded on the rock is a marriage that produces true spiritual growth, development, and maturity. They are various levels pertaining to the marriage relationship. It brings fulfillment and a wholesomeness to your entire existence. How is your marriage growing spiritually as one flesh? Because this is what God says about the two individual creatures. And it's what Jesus said through his disciple Mark in Mark 10, 8. And the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Spiritual growth and maturity within this spiritual bonding is one of the greatest phenomenons God's spiritual supernatural work has occurred in and through humanity. Within the unity of marriage, founded and lived by on the truth of the only true God and His Word, produces individual spiritual growth within both the man and the woman. And then, as each one of the flesh is is this marital relationship who disciple each other within the spiritual and physical roles instituted by God, one as the spiritual leader and the other one as the helper. Both exist, walk, and live, by and through the occupation of God the Holy Spirit, His presence, His power, His work, His gifts, His fruit, His teaching, and His inspiration. If you were asked to describe the evidence of God the Holy Spirit's occupation in your marriage, what's your testimony? In addition, as you disciple each other, Also have one being discipled by other disciples God has brought into their lives according to his predetermined plan and discipling work for disciples God leads you to into their lives all of which progresses from the spiritual growth and maturity received directly from God infused in your spirit, because the plain old truth, your intimate relationships with others, is a direct reflection of your intimate relationships with God. What are the undercurrents of your intimate relationships with your spouse? Is God's fruit evident and being freely exchanged and applied in and through your life to each other? Now, if the statement of your intimate relationships with others is a direct reflection of your intimate relationship with God is true, and it is, my fellow disciples, true spiritual life only comes through the Spirit of God into your essence by God's workmanship. And it's the spiritual relationship with God that ignites your physical existence, presence, and work. And yes, my fellow disciples, marriage is work. Because for God to create this spiritual bonding of the groom, and that's with a capital G, and the bride, and that's with a small b, took work, my fellow disciples. Jesus work. God designed iron to be sharpened by iron. Therefore, your spiritual relationships with God brings forth the power which is the catalyst to your physical existence. God creates, and when they create, substance, sustenance, stimulus, and spark is the evidence of God the Holy Spirit's occupation. And this is why it's the exact opposite to the physical perspective that leads to the misconception and self-deception that the physical aspect of life is reflective and confirms your spiritual life. Do you believe that the physical is truly the evidence of your spiritual existence? May I ask, how would God describe their relationship with you? Does your marriage possess the evidence of God's workmanship, yes or no? How do you apply what you've learned and experienced in your walk as a disciple with and from the other disciples in your life? What have you learned from your disciple interactions that you will apply to your marriage and add to that already established dimensions? How have you poured into another's marriage that God has brought into your life? Is your marriage a testimony of God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's word, and God's power? Is your relationship with your spouse a living testimony of the intimate relationship you have with God? And how do you think God would answer the question of your relationship from their perspective? Because it would be easy to say, oh yeah, my relationship with God, oh yeah, it's fine. And the relationship with my spouse and others, oh yeah, that's fine too. But the evidence speaks louder and reveals distant, insensitive, absent, alone, inconsistent, troubled, uncertain, sporadic, lacking intimacy, and exchanges of biblical truths and God's word being alive. Are all those adjectives an actuality in your marriage and interaction with others? Do you feel as though even when you're in company with your spouse, you know the same proximity? Do you feel alone because of lack of intimacy, communication, familiarity, purpose, closeness, and open expressions of love? Although God has designed and created marriage to be a satisfying, gratifying, enjoyable, pleasurable, genuine relationship that possesses both tangible and intangible dimensions— Influenced and inspired by God's love, generating faithfulness, obedience, and submission to God's way, God's will, and God's commands. Producing a level of fulfillment and wholesomeness that cannot be successfully or effectively manufactured, replicated, or simulated in any other aspect of life other than this phenomenal spiritual bond God calls marriage. The world, through man's wisdom, will try to convince you that standing alone brings forth so much more. Yet God says, in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10, Two are better than one because they have a good return for the labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. How then does this mindless communication of being alone being or bring so much more to you when it conflicts with what God is saying? And the companion that God mentions in Ecclesiastes 4, for all y'all that are single, that would be other disciples. And it could surely be your spouse too, my fellow disciples. As we head back up, take this with you. Ephesians 4.27 warns you too, and do not give the devil an opportunity. That should make you wonder why your circumstances are what they are. Have you given the devil an opening, chance, or gap in your spirituality or your marriage? God tells you what to do in Ephesians 6.11. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Are you listening? Are you trying to wiggle and twist and turn your way out of the plots, systems, and ploys the devil has placed in your mind? Because if God's Word and Spirit are alive in you, then James 4, 7 will happen just like God planned it would happen. God's promise is found in James 4, 7. Submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It takes the work of God to cause the devil to move. The simple truth, you do not possess the power or might to make the devil move. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors they succeed. Do you have many counselors journeying along with you? Or are you going at this struggle alone? I pray today, God illuminates your mind. The plain old truth There's a tremendous difference between being by yourself and solitude. Let me pray for you. Abba, I love you and thank you for today. This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Abba, you make it perfectly clear. It takes the work of your hand to bring forth a life, both spiritually and physically. Forgive us of our sinful thoughts sinful words, and sinful deeds. Abba, there are men, many today, that are living in the same home with their spouses, and their marital relationships are far from being what you designed for marriage to be between one man and one woman. Soften those hearts, where a rigidness has surrounded their hearts like a root-bound plant. Provide the ability to truly forgive for the sin committed. Open hearts to hear the words spoken today. Bring forth the disciples you have ordained to disciple another. Give us eyes to see the work of your hands. Give us ears to hear the truth of your words. And give us a willing heart to live by your commands. Thank you for placing these words of truth on my heart today. I lift up every listener to you. Thank you for the work you've carried out today with and through this Godcast. I pray you will continue to take it to new places in the world so you will be glorified in and through it. Thank you for today. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name I ask and pray these things. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases. For his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have a great day of worship and keep walking the way.